I said it at morning, but you can't say it enough. So we honor Pastor CJ. We honor Pastor Natalie for the vision that they've given us. You know, the vision of growth. We've been seeing so much growth. Jordan, oh my word, Jordan. Like every time she gets up to preach, like I said in the first service, that English is so deliciously, you know, it inspires my Afrikaans accent to get in line. But the revelation that you also have, just hearing you, you talk about, you know, offering, that's amazing. The, the, the level of understanding of how God is just working with your life, man, we can all see the fruit of that. So thank you, Pastor CJ. Thank you, Pastor Natalie, for giving us these opportunities. So the title for the year, as you can see on the screen, is Growth. So I said to the Lord, Lord, what do you want to share with the people? And he said, Andre, share with the people that we need to grow in the knowledge and experience of the love of God. How beautiful is that? Grow in the knowledge and the experience of the love of God. So I remember way back, this was a few years back when I was um, still in Rustenburg in Pretoria. The local church there asked me to, to prepare a sermon. And as I was preparing the sermon, so much seed was planted in my heart. And then I gave that sermon, and I believe it was good. You know, I believe it was powerful. I don't know if the people might have believed it was powerful and good, but I know it was good because of the seed that was planted in my heart. And a few, I think about about two months later, the pastor said, Andre, we want you to give word again. I was like, yes, I was super excited because this time I had even more time to prepare. So I was sitting with the Lord. I was like, Lord, I'm so excited. Please give me a word to share for the people for that Sunday. And there was nothing, guys. It was quiet. And then day one went by, and then a week went by, and I didn't get a word. And then it was like two days or three days before that Sunday service. I was anxious. I was like, Lord, what do you want to tell me, first of all, and what do you want to tell the people? I need word. And the Lord said to me, Andre, what did you do with the word that I gave you for your first service? And I said to Lord, I said to him, Lord, I don't need old word. I need new word, you know? <laughs> There's so, so many times in our life we're like, I know that, you know, I don't need, I need a new revelation. I need new word. But the Lord said to me, Andre, I'm not going to give you new word until you find that word that I've given you. Man, and I was stressing. I was opening up the cupboards. I was lifting up my bed, going through my clothes. And eventually, I wasn't organized as what I'm now. My wife helps me with that. He who finds a good wife or he finds a wife finds a good thing and it turns favor from the Lord. Amen. So my wife helps me to be organized. But that, at that time, I had notes everywhere. Got it together, got it in a book. And I actually reread that sermon. And I was like, wow, Lord, this word is powerful. And he said to me, Andre, yes, it is. He says, Andre, the same measure that you're going to value my word is the same measure I'm going to increase my word in your life. When you get a prophetic word, what are we doing with it? Now, I just want another prophetic word. And another few months later, I just want another verse. And then we go from conference to conference, from prophetic word to prophetic word, and we just want something new. But do we value the word of God that he confirmed? Do, how much do we value that word? And that's how much fruit we will see of that word manifest into our lives. So remember that verse, how much you value that word, right? Man, one more, one more. So in 2019, end of 2019, and um, right through to 2020, I was like, Lord, I'm excited. I can hear your voice through the word. If I read your word, you, Holy Spirit just confirms the word in my heart. 
I know the impressions that you speak to me. I'm following peace and I can discern your, your, your voice. And I'm like, I'm super excited. I said to him, but Lord, I want to also experience you in dreams. Because the word of God says, your old men shall have dreams and your young men will have visions. I was like, Lord, I know I'm not old, I'm young, but I like sleeping. <laughs> so why can't we do both, you know? Why can't I sleep and have a dream? And I was expected. And um, I had a pen and paper. Every time I went to bed, I had a pen and paper. If you expect it, you need to be prepared. So the, the piece of paper was next to my bed and my pen was there. And the Lord spoke to me through dreams. And something that I can maybe testify, just share with you. The biggest financial gain that I ever had, the biggest financial breakthrough came through a dream. Where the Lord showed me what I needed to do in a certain situation, in, the, in a certain market area where I needed to invest. And through a few other dreams, the Lord showed me what I needed to do with my finances. And one of my biggest breakthroughs came through a dream. So what are we expected of the Lord? Are you expecting God to speak to you? If you are expected with Him, what are you doing in your quiet time? Have a phone ready. Have a piece of paper ready. And value the Word. Amen? So let's get into the sermon. Growing in the knowledge and experience of the love of God. So Ephesians 3, 14 to 19. So we can put that on the slide. So when Pastor Natalie was preaching about this verse, she had an amazing sermon, and this is one of the verses that came on the screen. And when I saw it, and when she spoke about it, the Lord said to me, Andre, you're going to teach about this verse, this passage. And then a week later, guess what? Jordan also brought up this passage. And the Lord said again, Andre, you are going to be speaking about this verse. So I'm going to read it out of my New King James Version. I'm read, reading it out of verse 16. So Paul is praying right here. He says, I pray that God would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit. So he's just praying that you will be strengthened through might. He says, that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and what is the length and depth and height? To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's a mouthful. It's a mouthful. I was like, Lord, break it down for me. So you will see there was, there's some words highlighted on the screen. Paul is saying here, I want you to comprehend the love of God. I want you to see that there's depth, there's length, there's height. It's not just one-dimensional. The love of God is multidimensional. So he's saying, I want you to have a depth, a depth experience of the love of God. Why do we need to have a depth experience and knowledge of the love of God? Why do we need to have it? If you look in the next verse, the next verse says, I want you to know the love of God that surpasses understanding. Or I want you to know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. Immediately, my Afrikaans brain was like, you know, what's twitching here? Like, Lord, how do I know something without knowing something? Do we read that scripture? He wants you to know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. I was like, Lord, I don't understand. And he said to me, Andre, I want you not just to have a mental knowledge of my love. I want you to have an experiential knowledge of my love. I want you to experience it. It's past, it's past the mental state. So when I graduated out of university, they said an engineer, 
or any field that you, you study in, we've got book knowledge. But they said the moment you step into the job, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. And it's actually dangerous depending on what area you're working in. And you need a practical knowledge, a practical revelation. And this is what the same, this is what the scripture said. It said it's calling us into a deeper revelation of the love of God. He wants you to have a practical experience. He wants you to have experiential knowledge of the love of God. Why? Why is that so important? This is probably one of the most important topics that you will ever hear in the Word of God. It's about the love of God. Why is it so much important? Because everything, the whole foundation lies on top of that. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, it's so that you will be filled with the fullness of God. Do you see that level of depth? Is I need to know the love of God that surpasses my knowledge. I need to have the experiential revelation and knowledge of the love of God so that I can be filled with the fullness of God. The same measure that we will know the love of God is the same measure your life will be filled with the fullness of God. So what is this fullness of God? Let's, let's name a few. Joy is the fullness of God, right? Peace is the fullness of God. You know, like in, in, in Luke 12, verse, got my notes, 32. Luke 12, uh, 32, it says, fear not, little flock. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So we need to be walking in joy. We need to be walking in peace. If there's a lack of that area, we have a lack of knowledge of the love of God. Amen. So what other areas is the fullness of God? Healing? Is healing the fullness of God? Amen. For Psalm 107 verse 20 says, He sent out His word and, it, and, and they were healed. 1 Peter 2 verse 24 says, Through His stripes we were healed. Amen. 3, 3 John 1 verse 2, it says, Beloved, I pray that you will prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. Man, God's will for us is to walk in healing. If we don't walk in healing, it's not because God is withholding the healing from us. It's because we have a lack of knowledge of the love of God. That's what that verse says. Do we see the importance of that verse? He says, if you have understanding, if you know the love of God that surpasses knowledge, you will be filled with the fullness of God. It's not God withholding anything good from us. It's us not having a revelation of the love of God in that area. Amen. Prosperity. Now, the moment we talk about prosperity, some people switch off because there's so much bad things happened in, in the body of Christ where people use prosperity to gain themselves. But what happened, just because we had a bad rap with prosperity, with some people teaching it, we throw prosperity out of the church. But what does the Word of God say about prosperity? Psalm 107 verse 20. Sorry, Psalm 35 verse 27. It says, God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Give me another verse. Genesis 12 verse 2. Where he's speaking to Abraham, he says, Abraham, I want to bless you so that you can be a blessing. There's even a verse in Job about prosperity. And it's my favorite. It's Job 21. Sorry, 22 verse 21. It says, up, you, you need to submit to God and be at peace with Him, and then prosperity will come to you. 
prosperity and provision is part of the fullness of God. We can't chuck that baby out with the bathwater just because we had a bad rap of some uh, people that, that proclaim prosperity to enrich themselves. We can't do that. God wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing. What else? We can think about hope. If you don't have hope for, or excitement for the future, you are not, we are not walking in the fullness of God. Jeremiah 22 verse 11. 21 verse 11. Thank you, my wife. Yo. It's your honor and best. Okay, I need to correct that on my notes. So we need to have, God is saying you need to have a hope and expected future. So if we are not walking in all of those areas, healing, prosperity, joy, peace, hope, expected future, then we are having a lack of knowledge of the love of God. I'm saying this to encourage you. I'm not saying this to, to offend you. We, we also have to have a hard look, me and my wife. When there's any area of lack, you might be saying, Andre, so you guys got it all together? If you think I've got it all together, you can speak to my beautiful wife. She will tell you that we haven't arrived. But thank God we have left. Amen? Almost that thing left with me. <laughs> so what does it mean? Why is it so important? Because if there's lack in any area of our life, we need to know where the root is. You know, where's the root? God is not the root. God is not withholding anything good from me. The root is a lack of knowledge of the love of God in that specific area. Now you might say, Andre, I know the love of God. I just need more faith. I need more faith for healing. I need faith for provision. Galatians 5 verse 6, it says, faith worketh by love. You don't have a faith problem, you have a love problem. Everything boils down to love. Love is the driving force of faith. Galatians 5 verse 6, faith worketh by love. Man, it feels like God is just putting, you know, like I'm trying to like reason myself sometimes out of it. And God's saying, no, Andre, you can't get left or right. You need the revelation of my love. Amen. What is the consequences of having a lack of knowledge? Now, this is going to hit hard, right? Hosea 5 or 6. God is saying, my people perish because of a lack of knowledge. I said to Lord, yes, Lord, people do perish. And he says, no, Andre. He says, my people perish. Not the people in the world, the people in the kingdom. Us, me and you sitting in this church. My people perish because of a lack of knowledge. John 8. It says, it's the truth that you know that will set you free. It's not the truth that will set you free. That verse says, it's the truth that you know that will set you free. We need a revelation of the love of God. We need to have a deeper understanding of the love of God. God is not withholding anything back from us. What are some of the hindrances that can block us from experiencing the knowledge of the love of God? What are some of the hindrances? There's a lot, but I've got time for two. The two major ones. Number one, it's we have a distorted image of God, a misrepresentation image of God. We think that God is maybe out there to get you, you know? We don't doubt God is going to break your washing machine. We, sometimes we hear that, people say that. 
God is not out to break your washing machine if you don't tithe. Amen? Or people say, God is putting the sickness on me. I'm saying this with all due respect. Some people might say, God is putting the sickness on me to teach me something. That is a distorted image of God. Man, that's been taking, that's been stealing so many Christians' lives, that doctrine. That God puts sickness on people to teach you something. How can you resist sickness? The Bible says submit to God and then resist the enemy and he will flee from you. How will I resist sickness if I think it's from God? So a lot of people, even in my Bible college, you know, Bible college students will come and they will say, listen, please pray for me, I'm sick. But then they will explain I'm sick, but I believe the sickness is from God. So if you believe the sickness is from God, why do you come to us to pray for you? If you believe the sickness is from God, why do we use medicine? Why do we go to the doctor? Shouldn't the sickness take its full course? That is a bad doctrine, that, and I believed in my family as well. That's a dangerous doctrine because we've got a distorted image of God. We think God is out there to get you. God is out there to punish you. If you do a, a mishap, how, what's the quickest way, one scripture that I can think about to help us restore that image of God? It's John 14 verse 8. It's a conversation between Philip and Jesus. And Philip said to Jesus, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And Jesus said to Philip, Philip, how long must I be with you? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Did we see Jesus telling anyone, any person coming to him, that was sick, where Jesus said, no, you must go away because you need to learn something. The sickness did need to do a full-on work in you so that you can learn A, B, and C and then come back for healing. Did we see Jesus do that? No. But at sometimes we, we, we made that a doctrine. My people perish because of a lack of knowledge. If we don't have the right image of God, if we don't see God through the image of Jesus, God is not that mysterious God up in heaven that we don't know. There's a lot of things that we will forever know about God. I'm not saying that God is some, some, something easy that we know. There's forever you're going to learn the depths and worth of God's love. But if we look at Jesus, we have an image and we've got a clear picture of the heart of God. Amen? Man, what's the second point? The second point is we try to earn God's love. So the first point is the distorted image of God, the nature of God. The second is we try to earn God's love. Did you know the only people Jesus rebuked on earth was religious people that tried to earn God's love? It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That's why they were sad, you see, because they were trying to earn God's love. But the tax collectors, all the sinners that didn't try to earn God's love, that's where Jesus said, I'm going to give you my love. But the moment you try to earn God's love, you're stepping into self-righteousness. What does the Word of God say? Self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is like filthy rags before God. We don't, we don't have the capacity to earn God's love. It's a free gift. It's the finished work that Jesus done on the cross. Jesus and God does not love us because we are lovable. He loves us because He is love. Amen. If that doesn't get you excited, your, your wood is wet. Amen. Man, it's so powerful. Like, Lord, I don't need to earn your love. 
The moment you try to earn God's love, you are stepping into self-righteousness because you're like, what do I need to do? I need to do A, B, and C. And when I do A, B, and C, and then God will love you. You are trying to be justified through your own works. And what does Paul says? We are justified through faith, not of works, so that lest any man should boast in their works. Trying to earn God's love is prideful. Because we say, God, what you did on the cross, Jesus, what you did on the cross was not good enough. I need to put a little bit extra on the cross. The moment you need to add something to the cross, you're venturing into a dangerous territory. Because you're like, I need to add something to what Jesus did. That's called pride. James 4 verse 6. Let me get the right scripture. Yes, I got it. James 4 verse 6. It says, God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the pride. Man, if you want to see something quickly blocking the flow of God in your life, is when we go from grace to works. Where we think, Lord, what do I need to get my healing? Lord, what do I need to get the love of God working in my life? The moment we step into work, we build up a boundary. And God says, I resist pride. It's a free gift. The only way you're going to receive healing is a free gift. The only way you're going to receive salvation is a free gift. What does 2 Colossians 6 says? It says, as ye receive Jesus Christ, so therefore walk in Him. How did you receive salvation? Did you do 10 steps before you received salvation? Did, did, did you have to be worthy to receive salvation? Did you have to first cleanse your sin before you received salvation? No. We say, just come as you are and receive salvation. So why do we put an emphasis that we need to work for healing? Why do we put an emphasis, no, we need to do all these steps before God can bless us in all the other areas of our lives? Colossians 2 verse 6 says, As you receive Christ, your Lord Jesus, Savior, therefore also walk in Him. If we, can, if we cannot, cannot accept the free gift of His love, we will not be able or we will struggle to receive healing. We will struggle to receive anything in the other areas of our life. It's a free gift. I heard someone says, God only heals people who don't deserve it. That's a strong statement. Because the moment you think that you deserve it, it's like, I did this, I did this, and you're telling God, God, you need to keep your bargain. Because I kept my part of the deal. That's not how grace works. You're stepping into self-righteousness. It's a very dangerous territory. Amen. So, let me go back to my notes. God loves us, not because we are lovable. He loves us. Because that is who he is. How liberating is that? To know that if I do something wrong tomorrow, or if I do something right today, it doesn't influence the love of God in my life. Man, my wife is awesome. You know why? On our way to church, she reminded me something. She said, Andre, I'm so excited for the journey of growth that you've been on. And my old, with my old phone, I had uh, the Lion King that one big lion, I can't remember his name now, Mufasa. I had that image of Mufasa on my phone because of one purpose. When I did something wrong in my life, whether it was addiction, whether it was sin, whatever I did something wrong, the Lord said to me, Andre, that is not who you are. He didn't beat me up. He didn't say, I'm going to take my love away from you. He just said to me, Andre, that is not who you are. You know, the Holy Spirit will not condemn you. He will convict you, but the conviction will be like, you are better than that. 
That is not the real person. You are spirit. Amen. As Jesus is, that's, as Jesus is, so are you in this world. That's what the Holy Spirit will remind us of. Man, we shouldn't be struggling with condemnation because it will just keep us in that state that we're in. We should know the love of God, that the love of God is not changing. It's unconditional. It's unconditional. If you sin or not, God loves you. If you rob a, a bank and if you're going to be in the prison, God still loves you. You're dumb if you rob a bank, by all means. But it doesn't change God's love for you. You will just block how God will be able to use you. His love is unconditional. And when we get that experience, when we get that revelation of the love of God, you will be automatically say, Lord, where can I serve you? How are you loving me in this state, even though I'm not doing your will? Like the Lord, when he gives me directions, if it's financial directions, maybe investing into a certain market, I tell the Lord sometimes, Lord, that's too risky. I don't want to do it. He tells me the following. He says, I will love you even if you don't do it. Man, I said, God, can't you just be mean to me? That's easier. But now you say you're going to love me even if I don't do it. Now I want to do it. That is what the love of God does in our hearts. It compels us. We're like, we are moved because of the love of God. Man, we serve because of we love, we, we've got the love of God. We don't serve to get the love of God. Amen. Oh, man, Lord, this is so good. If this doesn't light your fire. Amen, baby. Thank you, Jesus. A personal testimony. A personal testimony about the experiential knowledge of the love of God. So I was, just before I was 16, my mom was sitting here in the ordinance. Um, my mom will tell you it's true. Mom, don't tell everything. So what I used to do, I used to look in the mirror when I was younger and I would tell myself, I hate you. I didn't have any friends. I was the, I was the introvert person because I had the fear of men in my life. I couldn't speak to ladies. I couldn't even speak to guys. I was so shy. I couldn't even speak to a guy. Get the load, you know, speak to a lady. I had the fear of men, and I used to tell myself, I hate you. I was looking myself in the mirror, and I used to break a mirror. That mirror, mom, that was broken in my room, I broke it. It wasn't an accident. I beat it with my fist because I, I said to myself, especially on weekends, especially on a Saturday night, that's the worst thing ever for a teenager to be alone is on a Saturday night. And I was always alone because I didn't have friends. I couldn't relate to people. Introvert. And then I would tell myself, I hate you. You suck. You don't have friends. Look at you. You're again alone. I hate you. That's what I used to tell myself. And luckily for there was a gym. The gym down uh, here in front. Away a few years back. I think it was 12 years back. Now you know all them. That gym didn't close at 5 o'clock. So that gym went up and closed probably at 7 o'clock or 7.30. CJ's mom, you were, yes. Amen. One witness in the house. So I was gymming, and as I was gymming, I used to curse myself in the evening. You're alone at gym. Look around you. You're alone at gym. You don't have anyone that loves you. Man, I, not even I love you. I hate you. That's what I used to say to myself. And I want to punch that mirror, but it's too big. I'm like, I'm not going to afford. How am I going to afford to replace this mirror? So I did, luckily, Mom, I didn't punch that mirror, you know? And while I was cursing myself, I heard the following. I heard, shh. And I know I wasn't speaking loud. And I turned around and I was like, who is reading my thoughts in the gym? 
who's this? And there was no one upstairs. Everyone was downstairs. And I ignored it and I carried on cursing myself and say, you suck. It's a Saturday night. You don't even have any friends to go with. And I heard the voice of God saying, shh. That was the most liberating experience that I had. Hearing that shh, the moment I stopped cursing myself. The moment I stopped swearing at myself, I could feel there was a change in my heart. So I went outside of the gym and I galloped. Liffy, galloped. Skippy-toed. That's what we call it. I skippy-toed. I had joy in my heart. I skippy-toed out of the gym. And to, and to just show the fruit, I hated waitering. And we had a restaurant in Jeffreys Bay. I hated waitering because I needed to talk to people and I don't like talking to people. But when I was entering in that restaurant... There was an overflow of clients, and there was only Stokes and another waiter. And I said, Stokes, don't worry. All the tables coming in, I've got it. I had so much joy, so much experimental knowledge of the love of God. I said, guys, I'm going to wait her. And I remember my first table, with my luck, there was this lady, and she was very attractive coming into the restaurant. And I'm like, are you sure you're going to take this table? I'm like, yes, I am sure I'm going to take this table, you know? And her whole family got in. And that night, I was, I was spontaneous. I had the best weekend of my life. I was spontaneous. I could sit down at a table, have a chat, and write the order. And everyone, like my parents and everyone in the restaurant, is like, who's this guy? This guy that couldn't talk to people. He's sitting down next to people and taking orders. That is what the love of God will do in your life. The moment the love of God comes in, you will experience it. You will no longer have a mental knowledge of it, but it will be experimental knowledge. Amen. Now, that is, this is the thing. This is what the Lord showed me yesterday and the day before. He said, Andre, the same way you experienced my love in that area. It's the same way I want you to experience my love in finances, in marriage, and in healing, and in joy, and in peace, and hope, and expect for future. Don't limit it just to that area. Get a love. Get an understanding of my love for you in every area. So my closing points this evening is why do we need to have experimental knowledge of the love of God? Because the same measure you know, this is what the scripture says. It says the same measure you know the love of God is the same measure you will walk in the fullness of God. Man, he wants you to know there on the right hand of the screen at the bottom. It says to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. You can redirect that scripture and say you are not walking in the fullness of God because you don't, you don't know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That's how you could read that scripture. It's a powerful scripture. Man, it's powerful. What are some of the hindrances? I'm going to close up with that. What are some of the hindrances? Just to recap what we spoke about. Number one, a distorted, distorted image of God. If we think God is putting sickness on us, if we think God is doing something bad to teach us, will you put sickness on your child to teach him something? If we've got that misrepresentation image of God, how will we know and how will we walk in a revelation and a knowledge of God's love for us if we've got a distorted image? To clear that up, you go to John 14 verse 8. If you've seen me, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Just go read Jesus. Jesus was the perfect representation of the Father. 
the Old Testament, they tried their best. But they didn't even have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of them. They only had the Holy Spirit coming down and leave. Coming down and leave. The Old Testament is a type and shadow. That's what Paul is saying. It's a type and shadow of things to come. But we can look at Jesus and we can look at the perfect image of God. Amen. So the second thing of, of what is stopping the flow of God in our life is if we try to earn it. If you can't receive God's love as a free gift, how are we going to receive anything else in this life? Amen. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit now to minister. So what we're going to do is we're going to give Him some time. We're going to ask this question, Holy Spirit, what is the area in my life that I need to know and have a knowledge and understanding of your love for me? In what area am I lacking? Number one, in what area am I lacking that I need a revelation of your love for me towards that area? Number two, what is the hindrances in my life that's keeping me from experiencing the love of God? I'm going to give you guys, we're going to give us two minutes just to ask that Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for showing us. Guys, whatever, whatever it was that the Holy Spirit revealed to you, remember what I said, the way you're going to make the value and the way you're going to value God's Word, the same way God's Word is going to increase in your life. So when you receive the Word now and the Lord showed you that area, write it as soon as possible. Write that Word down. Go home and meditate on it. Let the Holy Spirit do its full effect in your life. Let Him show you and reveal to you how much He loves you in that area. And while I was sitting here, I felt the Lord saying, Andre, there's a lot of people with fear. Fear of failure. Maybe a fear for the future. If you're going to focus on the love of God, how much God, how much you love me. Man, if he, there's that scripture in Romans, it says, um, for God gave himself to us, how much more will he give us all things? If we just start to say, God, how much do you love me? Just show me a revelation of how much you love me. You will be so consumed with the love of God, there will not be space for fear. Now, I'm so tempted to say this. You know, it's something like, you want to rebuke fear? It's fine. Then we rebuke fear. And then what, what then? Then fear is just going to come tomorrow. Just by rebuking the enemy, man, getting the revelation and getting, asking God to show us what, are, what do we need to replace that's much better than just rebuking the enemy because sometimes we just try to rebuke him. If we're not walking in truth and understanding, he's, we'll just come back. But if you're consumed with the love of God and when the enemy tells you you suck, then you say, no, I'm his beloved. I'm his beloved. 
as Jesus is, so am I in this world. Amen.